right, Jen Cooper here, ready for the next episode of the Mixed Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. This is episode number 322. So with that number, we'll give a shout out, well, to the U.S. Women's National Team, because in their World Cup opener back in 2019, almost three years ago, they completed 322 passes against Thailand. A lot of times you'll see a team maybe have 330 to 380 passes in a game. This is 322 completed passes. Impressive number. All right, so two chats for this episode, almost all about Challenge Cup. First, I spoke with New York-based soccer reporter Pardeep Katri. We talked about Sky Blue becoming Gotham FC, their rebrand, their success on the field, the, the wealth of players they seem to have right now, what she thinks going to happen this weekend. And then I spoke to KeeperNotes.com beat reporter Grant Wiedenfeld, who made it to Chicago for a Challenge Cup game, also made it to Kansas City for the Kansas City-Houston game. We talked about his experiences at those games and what he thinks is going to happen for the Challenge Cup final. And in the Jens Planer segment, went over one more time the tiebreakers, especially for our scenarios of this weekend. It could be Gotham, it could be Orlando, it could be North Carolina meeting Portland in the Cup final on May 8th. Of course, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at MixZone with two X's and also at Keeper Notes. And if you haven't bought your latest Keeper Notes End of Cell Almanac yet, definitely want to get one of those before the regular season starts on May 15th. So go to KeeperNotes.com. All right, Jen Cooper, the Keeper here with Pardeep Katri. New York-based women's soccer reporter, possibly men's soccer reporter. I don't know, Pardeep. Do you ever cover Broso? I do, actually. It's not so bad. All right. <laughs> so we can we can say soccer reporter about town. She, she covers it all. And, of course, yeah. we're talking with you today because it's looking pretty good that uh, Gotham, nay, Sky Blue, um, it could be in the Challenge Cup final. So, I mean, my question to you is how did that happen? <laughs> uh, um, I think it happened because they're for the most part pretty good at scoring goals, right? That can get you out of a lot of situations, and it's gotten them out of a lot of situations. Though, of course, the most recent game that they played, they didn't score, and so maybe my analysis is somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, let's maybe, go back to the yeah. beginning. Let's go back to the beginning of the Challenge Cup, for them at least. Uh, so they were the last team um, to play a game, uh, or second to last team. They, but basically, they didn't play the first weekend. So they started off their campaign at Orlando. Uh, Orlando had just come off the 2-2 draw at Louisville. Uh, it was a really tough match. Um, they even earned a, a penalty kick early on and Ashlyn Harris saved it first time we had a save in in challenge cut play and then Paige Monahan assisted by Efioma Onomono of course who was just like assisting left and right uh for the last year pull off the the game winner so you know they start their cup with a bang you know so you got 3 points you know great way to start and then you host North, North Carolina so talk about that game because that game was insane. Yeah, that's the perfect way to describe it. It this is what I was talking about when I was like Sky Blue can, Gotham can get themselves out of trouble by scoring goals. And that they game, did. <laughs> yeah. It was just I I had to take a pause because I'm I'm still so I'm still in disbelief at that game, how it just played out. But really it was a great show for their offensive players. Um Midge Purse scored twice, and obviously everybody's been talking about her. Um Carly Lloyd got on the board, I believe. Yes, uh, in her yeah. first game back, first game with, with the club since twenty nineteen. Yeah, and she I think I think it was one of her better games in a while for them. And obviously you mentioned her earlier, but Ifianumanu was she had a great game as well. So and Evelyn Vion got on the board. It was really just a a demonstration of the many different players Gotham has at their disposal going forward. And you know, I felt like this was a 
you know, coming to fruition of, of all the big moves that, that they made last year, picking up Onomono, picking up Purse, picking up Zerboni, who wasn't even featured in this game, but I would have to imagine that ha- that that's had a big impact in practice, you know, leadership, community, that kind of thing. Um, Paige Monahan really kind of blossoming, right? Like we st- we yeah. saw the beginning of that, you know, l- last year, but to see it continue, and then Didi Harchich who's, you know, been in and out of the league, you know, first with Western or flash briefly, then with spirit, then traded to sky blue now Gotham, you know, for the first time she, in that, in that opener, she earned a shutout. She had never had an NWSL shutout. Now, of course the four, three game against North Carolina is not something any keeper is going to brag about, but it just, I think, I feel like the whole crew has elevated their game. Right. Yeah. I think you 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 were basically mentioning this about how basically when Freya Coom got the job full time, she was really, really interested in showing this attack minded team. You could tell by the players that they picked up the moves that they made. But the and again last year they only had what, like 10, 11 games. You can't really drill that in over right. just a short period of time. But and especially seeing, in two in two separate kind of training windows, right? Yeah, and you're missing some players one time, then you have other players another time. It was, I mean, it's not again. It's just not the best environment to drill in a certain system. I mean, they did fine considering, but this is going to be the year that the sky blue that I think Freya Coombe has been planning on is finally going to make its appearance. We've been waiting like a year and a half almost to see it, and. So far, the results are pretty decent. The one thing that I think otherwise has been an, uh, a positive development for uh, this team from last year, for just looking at those games, is that they might. The one thing that they needed to work on is finding some level of consistency, and I don't think they've quite gotten there yet. But they're picking up results. They're getting points each time, even in the. Orlando game I didn't think they were the better team that game but they stayed there and then they got that goal and they won that game so in the game the game with North Carolina you know they allowed the equalizer in the second half so it's 3-3 but you know just like you said with Orlando here they were able to get that goal get that fourth goal what in stoppage time you know right at right at the beginning of stoppage time in the second half and make the win happen. Yeah. And I mean, they couldn't do that against spirit, but still, I mean, that was probably a more solid game defensively, which I, for a very long time has not been this team's strong point, but outside of the game against the courage where nobody felt like defending, maybe that was a memo that <laughs> they didn't share with anybody else beforehand, but I, I, I have a feeling some of these teams in the Challenge Cup get these memos that defending is optional and then you get these bonkers games and other teams do get the memo and then you have nil-nils. <laughs> well, one of the things that, that I said when we were calling the the Spirit-Gotham game the other night was that I felt that this was probably the most organized, cohesive defensive unit that Gotham had faced yet in the tournament. When you think about, you know, they faced Orlando, Orlando. Orlando has an interesting mix of young and old on its back line, right? Uh, two center backs, Fima McLaren and, and and Kanye Plummer, you know, pretty young, new to playing with each other. They, you know, they were able to break it down. It took a lot of work, but they were able to break it down. Then playing North Carolina, which had, I would say, the worst defensive performance in its young history. Uh, but when you think about that, you know, they don't have Abby Dahlkemper anymore. Abby Urseg's injured. You know, um, they just got Merritt Mathias back and a lot of their midfield is still new and young. So going against Washington, in a way, I wasn't surprised that it ended up a scoreless game. I was thinking it was going to be like a 1-0 game, right? Mm-hmm. Because Was- Washington, like all they did was up their defense in the off season and they were already so strong defensively last year. Um, 
you know, and of course, Bledsoe's been, been playing really well. So what I am really looking forward to is Sunday's Gotham versus Louisville game, right? So it's at home for Gotham. Louisville, who has been fascinating to watch in, in two of the three games, right? You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they gave it to North Carolina. They gave it to Orlando. You know, it's like you can tell they're still a young team. They've got a, got a learning curve, but you can't count them out. You know, they, they've got something to prove. So what's your feeling about what we're going to see on Sunday? Hmm. Let's see. Gotham had <laughs> a game with one goal, a game with seven goals and a game with zero goals. So I think they're, I think the turn is now that they're going to have lots of goals. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, these are, I mean, if we want real analysis now, um, <laughs> I mean, if you want, but yeah, uh, yeah we'll give it, a, we'll give it a shot. Uh, these are two teams that I think they're still working on that consistency, right? So there are a lot of different ways this could go. I, I will choose to be optimistic as a viewer and hope that there will be a couple of goals on each end. And I think both sides have shown that they have the attacking ability to do that. I think both of them maybe have strength there. So I'm going to say they'll both score. That's what I think. Of course, I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't put any money on party Please predictions don't. there. Please but, don't. Well, and I love that we're going into a final weekend of Challenge Cup games with you know at least one division still undetermined. So North Carolina hosts Orlando. Orlando has to win to remain in contention and still needs... Gotham to lose and lose by a certain number of goals. North Carolina, a North Carolina win means that Gotham has to win. Um, a North Carolina tie and a Gotham loss means, you know, so it's, it's like, it's, it's exciting, right? Like you, you want to see all the games. It could come. I mean, I was working on some of the scenarios and it, it, it starts, you know, sending me down the rabbit hole of bizarre soccer permutations but it, it's like you know, we could have we could have a tiebreaker between north carolina and sky blue that goes past goal differential um you know goal scored well, even well now even you to, have to share that yeah, situation that's the one i'm gonna root for <laughs> <laughs> well actually actually now say, sorry sorry it's it, it's if orlando wins and then Sky Blue loses. That's the one. That's that's the tiebreaker where they both have seven points, and so it would have to be, you know, how big is the loss? How big is the win? So say they, but they could very easily end up tied on goal differential and goal scored. And then your next tiebreaker is accumulation of yellows and reds, right? Oh, gosh, and I think yeah. I think right now they're even on that as well. Right. So, of course, what you, know, you want to pay attention. Well, you want to pay attention to these games because obviously more yellows could be earned. Right. So we, right. we want to pay attention to every yellow. After that, it's a coin toss, baby. <gasps> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, the chances that it'll, it'll come down to that are, are thin, but you have to be prepared for that. And that's why they write those rules. So it's like it's this tiebreaker, then this tiebreaker, then this tiebreaker. I know some people assumed that head to head was a tiebreaker and it's not um probably should have worked that into there at some point well ex- except i like uh, one of the things i like about not putting head to head in here especially when this was the tournament that kicked off the season um it it, it, it means you're going to be judged on your performance that the, the tiebreaker is going to be related mm-hmm. to your four games not one game right so it's your goal differential across the whole tournament it's your Goal scored across the whole tournament. It's your yellow reds across the whole tournament. Fair enough. You know, I yeah. would. I, th- I think I. I would have added one more tiebreaker, not head to head, but um, of course, I don't know how you could have done this with Orlando. Then, you know, you could say twenty twenty Challenge Cup placement, right? Seating, mm. but of course, Orlando wouldn't have that. So then you'd have right. to, yeah. Then you'd have to jump backwards and go twenty nineteen standings, which isn't fair. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it. But like I said, I, I think it will be yeah, extremely unlikely that we would get to that. <laughs> yeah, no, this isn't, this isn't happening. But be ready. Be ready for it, people. Be ready for it. So both games in the East, you know, really need to be 
paid attention to, especially in terms of if anybody's, uh, you know, getting yellows, because those could those could end up being tiebreakers. Um, and, and my public service announcement is, uh, you know, no one can sit out of the final because of yellow card accumulation. So anyone that's already had one yellow, if they get a second in the final game of the group stage, doesn't matter. But that's obviously, nice. obviously, if you get a red, well, yeah, yeah, you're, sit- you're sitting out. Well, I also want to ask you, Pardeep, um, you know, Gotham executed another trade. I mean, I don't know why we were surprised, but they've acquired <laughs> Ali Long from OL Reign. Uh, what, did, what did you think when you heard about that? Well, I, I mean, they kind of, they, they need to shore up their midfield a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's their strong point yet. I think... What sticks out in my mind is that Sarah Waldmo left. Yes, good point. Yeah, so and they haven't quite figured out their midfield balance since. Of course, it's only been what three games, so not that weird. But uh, and this is technically a preseason tournament, if you know, want to think about it that way. But yeah, so that that's really my main thought is that they're they need to they need where are my words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some plays. To, uh, there are some moves to make in midfield after she left, and I don't think Long was that huge a part of what Lorraine were doing right now. So it probably works out in uh, her favor too. And she's close to home now. She's from the area, so that 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 was my first thought. It's like, hey, sh- she's just going back home, you know. Um, and then also they signed in the offseason, uh, you know, Korean national teamer Sodom Lee. And it's just the second time we've had a Korean player in the league going back to, I think it was 2015 when we had, or maybe 2016 with Gon Jaiul. Um, but she's seemed comfortable so far. I mean, she's started, you know, um, I just, I, I think they're just, they're missing, like you said, some cohesion. I think it's, it's, Obviously, they were missing Zerboni being able healthy enough to start. Right. And, I've, and I feel like we haven't seen Jennifer Cujo at the level that we saw her last summer, right? And I yeah. never want to call this a preseason, but given that their preseason was pretty slim in terms of opponents, it does make this more, let's, let's call it a transitional tournament. Okay, I like that. That's nice. <laughs> But one of the things, I mean, when I look at the roster for Gotham, one of the things that feels so different from looking at it, say, in 2019, is there's depth, right? I mean, yes. like that that Anamano was not in the starting lineup Tuesday night. And, you know, I was like, why isn't she starting? And, you know, my broadcast partner was like, well, who would you take out? It's actually a pretty start, strong starting lineup, right? And that that wouldn't have been the case, you know, just just two years ago. You also think about Didi Harachich starting, right? Because Kaylin Sheridan's recovering from that she believes injury, and and she's doing well, right? Like there's actually backup, and it's yeah, it's. I mean, it's, how long have I, I, to me to me that that's a bigger corner for this club to turn than even the rebranding. As much as I love the rebranding, this is more important long term. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, this team obviously was sky blue up until recently. Now Gotham, they've needed. I mean, the rebrand was not just needed on it for off the field reasons, right? They needed to rebrand right. on the field, and I think. Last year, you started to see a little bit of that, but again, the re- this on the field rebrand, if we're going to call it that, it's obviously going to be something that has multiple parts to it and multiple layers. And depth is something that, if you're a team that <laughs> look, I know an NWSL season is compared to other uh competitions fairly short, but there are a lot of challenges that come up for any team that plays any amount of games depth is key right i mean it's just a right. really basic soccer thing and this is a team that what as long as you and i have known each other we have talked about how small their roster is yes yes they, they, they have the smallest roster in the challenge cup last summer and it included four keepers right and now yeah. they're actually fleshing out to the same roster size 
as everyone else, you know, and I feel like they've got a good mix of veteran players like Carly Lloyd, Estelle Johnson, McCall Zerboni, mixed with your up-and-comers like Saddam Lee and Mitch Purse and Efiama Onomono and Paige Monahan, right? Like, I love that there's Evelyn more than Vian. there's, oh my God, and Evelyn Vienne. I mean, like, there's, it, it's awesome that there's more than one to mention, you know? And, and also when you think about, like, they lost two players in the expansion draft, but they were able to get one back, Jennifer yeah. Cujo, who we still don't understand why they left her unprotected. Um, so their only loss from the expansion draft was Kaylee Real, who had made, I think, one appearance in last summer's cup as a sub and then went out on loan in the fall. So, so maybe they lost a future piece, but they didn't lose from the expansion drafts. So they didn't lose an immediate piece the way that you look at what North Carolina lost, losing Lauren Malay and Addison Merrick in the expansion draft. Those are both players who would be starting. Right. So I I uh, think changes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think, you know, Gotham has, you know, played their cards really well. And when I heard the news about the LA long draft, I was like, nice. They're still, you know, they're still working. Um, They're it's, it's, I, and I've seen this with a lot of clubs, men and, and women's soccer, where it's like clubs will make a few moves and, and it like, they give you the sense that they're making changes, but they're really not making full-blown changes and that alley long announcement to me was was like yeah they're really committed to this you know it was it wasn't just last year let's make these big splash signings it's like no we got to keep moving same with i think uh the trade that surprised a lot of us you know killian and 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 pew to chicago right but Mm -hmm. hey those players wanted to be elsewhere they were they would get a lot of uh, allocation money from it and other picks you know it's, it's like hey not a not a bad deal. So right, and clearly you know, their good, good to not, Gotham for moving and shaking. Right, and clearly their offense isn't struggling too much without Pew. And honestly, she didn't have a lot of time to integrate. So it's right, sort of like right. there wasn't there wasn't too much that they lost in a sense. For, there wasn't a hole. There the wasn't field. a hole to fill because she had right. She hadn't been able, you know, to, to carve to out a place with them. Yeah. Well, let's talk, let's talk about the rebrand. I haven't had a chance really to to talk about this on the, on the podcast yet. Um, I think it caught most of us by surprise that it was kind of right before the season started, but long overdue. Um, I mean, I remember back in the, the WPS days, you know, watching a game where it was sky blue versus Chicago red stars and sky blue was wearing orange and Chicago red stars were wearing sky blue. And, just like this is sky blue. Uh, this is Did not like, wear sky blue for such a long time i know yeah and, and it's like doesn't tell you where it is you know and it's so much more important for any new league not just women's soccer but any new league any new teams it takes a while to build a brand right Absolutely. so people need to know where you are um and it really looks like they did some hardcore research you know hired the right people talk to all their different groups right like i love that um they actually give a nod right to to cloud nine supporters group by you know one of their official colors is cloud white right so it's gotham sky blue gotham black cloud white right so it's like keeping the color from the past incorporating this new color acknowledging their fans um bringing the a Statue of Liberty crown into the logo is brilliant because that tells me by looking at it, like I know where that is. I can tell anybody Gotham. I'd say this team's name is Gotham. Where is that? They're like, Oh, it must be New York. Like, thank you. Right. You say yeah. sky blue. It doesn't have that. Of course, we're all going to have to get used to saying Gotham FC. Um, you know, I, 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 yeah, we, we will, you know, it's just a transition. I, I had to keep reminding myself during the broadcast with a nice big post-it nose, you know, say Gotham. Um, and of course, every now and then I would say then sky blue because I was, you know, talking about something in the past, but it's such, I think it's such an important change. Um, and I like that, like all of these visual changes are coming at the same time, right? Like Houston Dynamo, Houston Dash did kind of a logo upgrade right? You've got a lot of uh, new jerseys coming out. You've got, you know, Sky Blue becoming Gotham. Louisville is now, you know, here's our first jerseys. Pretty soon, you know, we're going to see more stuff from Angel City. So I think it's, 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 
I, I don't want to say end of yourself 2.0 yet, but we're approaching end of yourself 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to go on Gotham specifically, that's a pretty sleek look too, from yes. the jersey to the actual crest and the color scheme. I mean, the color scheme seems natural a little bit based on, you know, their history of sky blue, but it's also just a great look. And between yes. that and the Louisville crust, who doesn't like to see really great looks? Like these are—they're just great designs. Yeah, even if it's like not your team, you're still like, "Ooh, I yeah. might need to buy that jersey," and that says it all, right? Like I, when I used to work, you know, in a soccer store, it was hard for me every time we got new jerseys. I'm like, oh, "That looks so pretty. I want that." It's like, "Oh, I don't care about that team at all," right? But like, <laughs> it looks so good, and 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 to me, that's that's part of NWSL 2.0 is that. You can tell the teams um, and Nike are putting more resources, more time, more attention in into these looks, right? And, and I yeah. love it's. It might seem weird right now uh, if you're following the league and there's a Kansas City team that's just called Kansas City and they're wearing all white <laughs> with teal socks, but I like that they went with, "Hey, we're planning, you know, a real kit. We're just going to use this for." the challenge cup, but we do have a real kit coming. We'll have a new name and new crest for 2022, right? Like that they're not rushing into something that then right. they don't like, and they have to change later. So like there's some, there's some real thinkers in charge. <laughs> oh, at least I, look, look, credit to Casey for not rushing into anything if they couldn't uh, settle on anything. But I think there's probably now a lot of pressure for them to really nail it. There are some very good, uh, there are some teams with very nice branding in this league and angel city is probably going to be another one of them. I think they, I think they've got to deliver too. people will be disappointed. If right. They don't. right. So I mean, and this everyone is else is up their game. Everyone's yeah. That's a great game. development. Pressure's on. We well, love it. I, I want to ask you about just a few more players because I, I don't want them to go unmentioned. And like I said, it's so nice that there's so many players to ask about. Um, so great to see Caprice Didasco back on the field, recovered from last year's injury. Also, Mandy Freeman, um, who had a much longer you know, recovery from, I guess that was right at the beginning of the 2019 season, she went yeah. out injured. So we just really got to see her again in the fall series. And then Amani Dorsey, uh, one of the, the younger announcers, uh, you know, at, at the studios asking me, he's like, shouldn't, shouldn't she be playing forward? She seems to get up a lot. I said, she used <laughs> to be a forward. I, yeah, I, was, I was like, yeah, you know, it's like, but they've got a lot of forwards and it, it made me start to think about how, like, I think a lot of forwards just end up being converted to, to defenders because yeah, sure. Everyone's a forward as a kid, but those three, like, I, I think those are key pieces, whether they're starters or not. I think they're key to Gotham's success, right? Like, yeah. And did you say Estelle launching. Johnson too? Well, we had mentioned her brief, briefly oh, earlier, but 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 yeah. But let's give let's give her a shout out too, because I I don't think she got enough credit for basically flying all the way back from Turkey after a two game series playing for Cameroon, Cameroon versus Chile, and Cameroon narrowly losing out on a birth to the Olympics. But I think, yeah, her return, I, I think that's a big part of, you know, spirit not being able to score the other night. Yeah. I think that's, they will be key as they try to build that consistency, especially in the back. Like, like I mentioned earlier, this team over the last several years has not been a one known for their defensive ability, but they've, got players that will uh, like you mentioned Imani Dorsey she's obviously somebody who will help them going forward they clearly like to do that but to be able to hold their resolve in the back they've they've got at least a couple of pieces for their core back there maybe that's a place they can add depth but right now as a starting point they've got some great players that will especially once you know Kaylin Sheridan come back comes back maybe she won't have to be bailing them out all the time anymore right and and we already saw you know progress in that regard in 2019 compared to 2017 and 2018 
for Kalen in goal that her goals against average came way down, right? Like with, with, you know, picking up Estelle Johnson in 2019 from, from uh, Washington spirit and also, you know, Didasco and uh, signing Gina Lewandowski, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. now that those partnerships have had time to build and, and we're seeing the difference. So, so we've got this, you know, big weekend coming up, Pardeep. Uh, you know, any last thoughts about the the final weekend of Challenge Cup play and just this 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 edition of the Challenge Cup in general? It's been kind of funky. It's been weird. <laughs> kind of funky. I like that. Yeah, I mean, that's how we like NWSL, though, right? With a little bit of weirdness <laughs> and intrigue. Look. I mean, you know, they limited the nil-nil games. There were, and this actually, just in the last week, now all of the teams have scored, so that's great. And, uh, and the goals per game is, is so much higher. Yeah, no, it it's last, wild. It's last wild. summer, you know, and I think it shows you. Um, obviously, we wouldn't have been able to do this last summer, but it, it shows you the benefit of teams being able to play at home teams being able to stay at home right like like and they're have not they're not all bubbled somewhere for though. a month yeah 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 have 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 real practices the, the dash coach said to me i think that was mid march he goes we've already had more practices this year than we had in the entirety of 2020 you know cuz oh, cuz preseason it started february 1st yeah yeah you know so I, I think, you know, Challenge Cup, I think this has been a really fun prelude to the regular season for which we finally have a schedule. And who opens opening weekend at Red Bull Arena? Well, that would be Gotham FC. Yeah, they're big, big debut at Red Bull Arena. We, we've obviously been waiting a little while for that. And they get they get to play they get to play my Houston Dash so I'm I'm really looking forward to that so glad that they're at a facility like that and just same thing for Kansas City getting to play one of their Challenge Cup home games at Children's Mercy Park you know Sporting KC's home it's like yes so yeah so we're not going to call this NWSL 2.0 we're going to call it 1.5 how about that that's where maybe we 1.6 or seven. <laughs> I don't know. Love it. Well, Party, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about the former Sky Blue that is now Gotham FC. Um, Maybe and, next hey, time we, just, we talk, I'll know their name. <laughs> well, good, good. It just it's it's a transition, right? We'll like, get there. We will all get yeah. there. It's fine. We're we're getting there. They they won't mind because they still you know Sky Blue is still part part of their identity. Yes. Uh, but keep up the good work on on everything you do wherever you write, and everyone can follow Pardeep on Twitter. Time for a little Jen's planning, and hopefully I will make this as clear as possible. Want to talk about the tiebreaker situation for the East Division of the NWSL Challenge Cup. We've got three teams still in contention before we go into the May 1st and 2nd games. So North Carolina is hosting Orlando. North Carolina wins, then Gotham has to win Sunday to go to the final. Otherwise, North Carolina goes to the final. Um, Orlando wins. They would need Gotham to lose and they'd need to make up some goal differential for them to advance. Um, and like I said, North Carolina win or a North Carolina tie, depending on what Gotham does Sunday, uh, would be their path to the final. Um, we still don't know who's hosting the final. Hopefully we'll hear that soon. It will probably depend on who ends up winning the Eastern Division. Um, if you have any question about the tiebreakers, if you go to nwcellsoccer.com and you know find the announcement about the Challenge Cup, then there is a link saying the rules are here because they are a little bit different from uh, last summer's Challenge Cup. So your tiebreakers in order, first, goal differential, second, total goal scored, third, accumulation of yellow and red cards. So you do want to pay attention to yellow cards this weekend. After that, it would be a coin toss. There is no head-to-head tiebreaker. All right, that's it for the Gensplainer. If you have any questions about that or have any question that you want me to cover in the Gensplainer, just send an email to keeper at keepernotes.com. 
All right, Jen Cooper, the keeper here with Grant Wiedenfeld, the, let's see, Keeper Notes roving reporter who's been on the road lately. And Grant, you, I mean, you're doing what most of us still really want to do but can't do is see games in person and more importantly, see them on the road. Yeah, thanks to you, boss. I am living the <laughs> post-vax Woso dream out here. So first you got to go to Chicago hosting Kansas City and that one, no fans allowed, but, you know, limited media, limited, you know, friends and families of the players. So talk about that game. I mean, weather wise, it was pretty cold, right? And, you know, what's it like to be in a venue fairly large, but pretty empty? Well, first of all, of course, I was at the home opener uh, for Houston at BBVA, where the Challenge Cup started and the weather was great. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, then I decided to drive north to Chicago uh, for a Tuesday game. And in fact, it was so cold that they postponed it. There was supposed to be snow. Uh, and You would have loved that. Wednesday. Yeah, they I know. could have done snow Wednesday. angel goal celebrations. <laughs> Unfortunately, we didn't get that. Uh, we got a very brisk 40-some degrees in uh, Bridgeview, Illinois there. It had been a beautiful day, and it was sunny. Um, Amy, Amy Rodriguez said afterward that it was crisp. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, as far as the atmosphere, I've never been to a game there before. The SeatGeek Stadium is very Bridgeview. Uh, maybe a good way to put it. The uh, it's kind of the George Pompidou Center with on the outside you have all of the you know metal girders as you walk up to it. Um, but it was fun. There was uh, people who were excited for the game, uh, huddled up. Uh, the, you know, some of the family and friends that went there had their blankets and were you know shivering in the stands while us us up in the press press box were. Um, you know, in hats and and coats, looking looking down over the field and trying, you know, trying to keep our fingers warm so they didn't shake when they're on the computer. And this was the third game for Chicago, first one at home. And wait, do I have that right? No, second one at home. And yeah, just the second, second game, second, second game. game for Kane. Yeah, and and just second game overall. For KC, um, you know, Chicago needed a win to stay in it. It was a pretty close match until late in the second half. But what were you seeing on the field? It, it felt kind of frustrating uh, for the first part because, of course, Chicago, like Houston, had not scored a goal up until that point. You know, are right. they ever going to score? Is this going to be another 0-0 draw? And then, you know, A-Rod... Uh, off the Abby Smith, the keeper um, assists there, breaks it open. The if the KC fans, well, as the fans, you know, like the the, the the limited ten people in attendance there, they are they all got excited. But you know, the stadium and the and the Chicago press there can't get too excited about Chicago, right? <laughs> um, or can't get too excited about KC scoring. Now, when Chicago scored about two minutes later, which I didn't even see because I was tweeting at the time. Uh, yeah, there was a bit of relief. And although they didn't win, um, you know, there was the sense that the winter had thawed. You know, COVID, <laughs> COVID and the pandemic would soon be over. Goals were going to come into Chicago. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully they'll see some in their next match. Well, go back to the Amy Rodriguez goal, because I think that was a quintessential A-Rod goal, how she could make something out of nothing or rather any tiny little inch you give her she's going to turn into a goal and so you have abby smith who back in her college career actually had three goals playing from the goalkeeper position one as a you know a punt and two as as free kicks there's her her great long delivery you know well into that half um and it just kind of bounces around and no one's claiming it right like you see several chicago defenders looking at it and you know trying to decide what to do and you know one one of the few things i remember from from playing 
defense is like you can't let the ball bounce, right? Like you have to own it before it bounces and they let the ball bounce. And she totally pounced on that. And at first it looked like she flattened Sarah Gordon. But if you, but if you see it from a different angle, if you see the reverse angle, you see there's more like Sarah kind of fell as she was trying to stay with Amy go, you know, like, Oh crap. She's just, you know, jumped on the ball and, you know, game over ball in the net. It was just, and it just electrified the game. Like suddenly, especially, you know, following that game, it was, you know, so tense and, you know, nothing's happening. And then boom, they awaken for that goal. And I, I think that kind of set Chicago on fire as well. I think that's why we got the Katie Johnson goal. Not, not much long after. Yeah. The, that play was, was all a rod in a certain sense that she, she recognized that, you know, Gordon and Mayer were a little bit hesitant as to who was going to take the ball. And in that moment of hesitation, she pounces, which was and now, a real, was there any, know, it was, it was a real kind of turnaround for Kansas city who had been struggling for most, most of the game, which, you know, coach Hugh Williams admitted that, that they got outplayed by Chicago in the first half. So they had, they were, you know, they were lucky to be at a zero-zero draw at that point. It had started to turn around for them a little in the second half, but you know, it's not a build-up play at all. This is individual brilliance uh, that that really showed itself. Yeah, it was definitely against the run of play, and and almost reminiscent of the goal that they gave up to Portland in the previous game, where you know it had been a tight, scoreless match, and then Boo Ray sends a long ball up for you know Weaver. Weaver to chase. Um, but coming out of that, that game, I mean, afterwards you got to, you know, participate in the, in the, the post game pressers. I mean, thoughts from the coaches of, you know, where their teams were at that point in the cup. And, you know, what do you think we're going to see from them in the regular season? Yeah, during the regular season, I mean, it feels like Chicago is, is is building momentum right now. Even though they lost against against Rain, they 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 got on the board. They scored in a different way. They have a lot of talent. Uh, I don't know. It has to be real frustrating though. So we'll see. We'll see if they can if they can live up to their potential as the as the weather weather warms up. In, in the north. As far as Kansas City, who I've been following a little more closely because I went to their last game, they keep tinkering. They keep ex- they've continued to experiment with different formations against every matchup. And I think what we're going to see now is them try and settle down, worry less about the opponent, and see what they can do. Um, I, I picked them in my kind of way before the draft, I did a preview and, you know, Kansas city and racing were kind of in the bottom tier that they're new. These are new franchises. We don't have a lot of expectations for them and they've performed better than I think what I and most people expected. They really uh, have threatened a lot and it, it almost feels disappointing that they haven't come out with a victory yet. So I think we'll see them, um, be even more threatening during the regular season if they can build some momentum um, and not having so many national team players Kansas City like Racing Louisville um, yeah they could be in the hunt for an expanded playoff well and the tough thing about the cup is where you know it's just four games right so as we've seen some teams were out after after two games where the regular season is 24 games. So it's a, you know, a different, you know, it's the long haul. It's a different game plan. Uh, you know, Hugh Williams had said that, you know, he's like, we haven't played one system more than a half so far in the cup. Cause he's just trying to see what he has. Right. And keep tinkering with it. Um, and I never want to refer to challenge cup as preseason. Cause it's not. Um, but when you do factor in that, uh, the preseason that these teams had was pretty limited compared to regular preseasons. Um, in a way, I'm glad that they, they have this kind of transitional tournament between preseason and the regular season to experiment. And, you know, and for the, the teams that are playing without 
national teamers, it's it's a sneak preview of what it's going to be like during that Olympic window. And, you know, I think it's it's worth pointing out that Kansas City was really just missing Desiree Scott and Mariana Laroquette, uh, you know, just two players out for that that international break. So they're not going to be hit the same way that like Houston, you know, six players, Portland, a lot of players, Chicago, at least three players, you know, that that kind of thing. And speaking of Houston, let's move to the, the next game you went to. You headed back south a little bit to Kansas City for Kansas City to have its first NWSL home game in more than three and a half years. And perfectly enough, against the same opponent their last game was against Houston. <laughs> and it got moved to Children's Mercy Park because uh, their other venue turned out to have construction delays. So they get to play in the big stadium. It looked like a good crowd. I know they passed out um, 3,000 teal towels to the first fans to come in. And talk about talk about that game because that would be obviously different from Chicago where basically no fans. But... First game, you know, the fans, the fan freebies, the the buzz. What was it like? There was buzz. There was excitement around the stadium. Uh, people were coming in. They're handing out the teal towels. I uh, I got I got one for you, of course. I know know you like that kind of memorabilia. Nice. I I couldn't uh, I couldn't you know really wave it from the press box uh, because exactly because you're professional the and. At, at heart, I'm a Dash fan. <laughs> you know what I was, uh, what I did though uh, was walk down with with some of the other reporters. Um, Araceli Villanueva was really nice to to show us around that stadium, which she also covers for MLS for Sporting KC. And we, we walked down through to the kind of the supporters section on the side. Um, named the Cauldron from when they used to be the Wizards, apparently. Um, that's where the, some of the, you know, blue crew, um, KC supporters were, I interviewed a couple, I mean, people were excited and you, that's a a great stadium. They have all these terraces and, um, where people were lined up buying, buying gear. Um, there's, you know, kind of restaurants where people are milling about a whole bunch of different youth teams were in attendance. It's still socially distanced, so it didn't feel like the stadium was full at all. But right. uh, there are people. There's there's a lot of sound. Uh, it was a beautiful day too. It was like eighty degrees, total opposite from Chicago. But if do you want to play if it's eighty degrees? I mean, wouldn't we want it to be like sixty eight degrees? Um, it was not <laughs> a it was not a humid heat, and it was in the it was in the you know afternoon shade, so. Nice. Like pretty ideal condition. It was, it was windy, in fact. It was quite windy. It's it's in this area of Kansas City uh, where they have a around the Kansas Speedway, like a you know racetrack, and it's just out on the Kansas plains out there. Thankfully, the- yeah, it, it's a destination. I I went there for an MLS playoff game once, and it's like yeah, it's just whole group of venues and a big mall and a lot of restaurants and hotels like but not close to anything else and the legends field is just a stone throw away where they're going to play against ol rain on monday uh and i plan to go down for that and see what the i don't know if what you call this if the if the home if the home opener takes place uh, you know not at their normal home is this uh the home it's their second the home, home opener, opener. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We'll talk about um, Kansas City's first home game. Um, it was the first time that we saw Houston with all of their starters back. So it was literally the starting lineup from last summer's cup final. Uh, Kansas City having to put in Nicole Barnhart in goal because of a, a minor injury to Abby Smith. But hey, if your backup keeper is the the person who holds all the NWSL goalkeeping records, it's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, Barnhart looked Barnhart looked solid. Um, saw, talked to her on the press conference after the game, um, and she mentioned uh, that she had been at uh, Stanford, her alma mater, uh, coaching for a number of years after she graduated. When Jane Campbell was at Stanford, so those two go way back. 
And those two, those two are tied for Stanford's all-time shutout record. Are they really? Yeah, 35 each in their collegiate careers for Stanford. But go ahead. Uh, a lot of a lot of keeper pedigree there at Stanford. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as far as as far as uh, the you know the dash coming in and bringing back their six national team players. I I was on some of the 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 calls before the game and you could tell that you know the Kansas City expected expected to be you know put under pressure. Uh, I think Hugh Williams put it that we know that team is going to score goals soon. They hadn't scored yet at that point. We just hope we can delay them. Uh and they were not able to delay them. It was pretty clear to everyone that they, Kansas City was right to be to be worried because with with Groom with uh, with Groom now surrounded by Schmidt and Christy Mewis and Rachel Daly up front um, and Chap you know Chappie on the back line and and Jane Campbell there that we were firing all cylinders. It felt a lot like the team that won the Challenge Cup in 2020. Uh, the, you know, the dash were, looked like a real force out on the field. And Chapman, I mean, she really created that first goal, taking it down the left flank and getting it into the mix for Mewis to eventually score off of. She took a pretty tough hit. Was that a second half and had to leave the game? I mean, that must have been a little bit scary. Yeah, when it happened, it, it from my angle, it it looked like well, this is quite high up in that in that um, stadium. It it looked like a a normal kind of mix during a cross where you know players hit heads or whatever, and and she went down. Uh, but pretty quickly, the you know the refs were gesturing. The rest and other players were were gesturing for the trainers to come over immediately. She stayed down uh, for quite a while, but I, you know, I had some had some binoculars and was looking through. And although she was standing, just still lying there without moving, you could see smiles on the players that had come up to her to talk to her. Like you know, Sophie Schmidt came up, and and clearly they were they were having a laugh over it. Uh, you know, Chappie. As far as I could tell, has a great sense of humor about these things. I don't know if you saw her Instagram post that she put yeah, up, like the great afterwards. picture showing yeah showing um, the the injury. Thankfully, it's just stitches and nothing else. But what it said, feeling cute, might delete later. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. <laughs> what a hero! <laughs> well, and it was definitely uh, a Christy Mewis night again, which, you know, she getting two of the three goals. And I didn't think of it till after the game, but she played for Kansas City in 2013 in the league's inaugural match in Kansas City. Um, you know, so I, I felt it only appropriate in retrospect that she was kind of kicking off the goal scoring in Kansas City in, you know, Kansas City 2.0. Yeah, for someone like me who who's only been following the league for say like three years now, I didn't. I'm you know all of this Kansas City history I was not so aware of. I had interviewed CC Kaiser when she was on the Dash, uh, and she talked a little bit about Kansas City and Haley Hansen being from there. But there are a lot of players from Kansas City um, who are from that area. There are people who played for FC Kansas City. It's pretty neat that... Uh, or were coached by Hugh Williams growing up, or were coached by mm-hmm. Vlako Nanoski growing up. As, yeah, as, sad as it, sad as it is for that that team to have left Utah, who had, who had and still has so many great fans, which were, you know, there was a tribute made, um, I saw, um, from a little banner that combined the two on there. It's, nice. Um, of all the places that they could have, they could have ended up. I mean, I think, I think Kansas city is a great home and hopefully, hopefully Utah will, will also have that kind of homecoming in the years, years in the future. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, and uh, you know, as much as you and I didn't want to see dash give up a goal, I, I did enjoy at least like seeing Michelle Vasconcelos who, you know, came back from a 2019 ACL tear. We barely saw her. Um, 
in the cup. Then she got traded to Utah at her request because she wanted to, you know, be close to family. And then what happens? The Utah team, you know, disbands. So now she's in Kansas City, but she looked great in that run uh, to get Kansas City on the board. She did. She had struggled in, in the game against Chicago. And so she didn't start that Kansas City game. She, you know, she was subbed in there later. And, you know, so actually starting that play was Addie McCain, who just made her NWSL debut. And I'll have a story coming out on her um, player out of A&M, uh, you know, along with uh, Groom and, and Allie Watt. And um, yeah, McCain challenges Sophie Schmidt who, and, and passes the ball up to Lola Bonta, then who has a, has a great, uh, you know, a great assist up to Vasconcelos. That was, that was, that was a beautiful goal and a beautiful moment for, for Kansas city. So that even though they, you know, they didn't win uh, or drug get a point in their home opener, uh, you know, there's a, there's a good sign there of the talent on this team. And I didn't realize either till recently that Lola Bonta is engaged to Roger Espinoza, who plays for Sporting KC. So for her, the move from Utah back to Kansas City means like I get to go home. Right. And you do have some players like Desiree Scott, Nicole Barnhart, Amy Rodriguez, who date back pretty far to the very early years of the previous Kansas city franchise. Um, so it's, it's like, like you said, it's, this was the best place, you know, if, if a team had to move, this was, this was really the best city, uh, you know, for it to go to. So last few things, Grant thoughts on, uh, the cup in general and who you think is going to be with Portland in the final on May 8th. Mm, well, uh, Gotham FC uh, is is really on the rise light right now, and in fact, there was a, a New Yorker story that just came out, so they have all of New York's attention. We'll see with all the lights shining bright here if they can uh, prevail this weekend. Uh, they're playing the Pride, am I right? Yeah, it's North Carolina, Orlando. Yeah. So, yeah, if Gotham. Uh, it's it's theirs it's theirs to lose. So if they, I I think if they, uh, you don't you don't have to worry about the scenarios. I all right. Well, yeah, they, just, they're taking I, it's your thoughts. Racing yeah. Louisville at home. I, okay, I, yeah, I'm 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 just gonna go with the flow and say Gotham is going to bring its you know dark jerseys to bear against those you know that other kind of dark rose of the thorns uh we'll see who gets to wear black in the in the challenge cup final should be exciting (laughs) see who gets to wear black i like that i like that that's a good way to look at it and your thoughts on you know this cup for the future um should it be a preseason and i don't mean it's a preseason tournament but it's being played before the regular season should it be played before the regular season or should it be a mid-season break or do you have another crazy idea that would work for it hmm well i see what you're saying and how for the teams once they fall out of the running it kind of becomes a an effectively a preseason tournament for them but it's still great, you know, to have the home openers. Uh, there's a lot of excitement around it that, that brings some relevance, even if it's even if it's not in the regular season. I mean, you already you or somebody else I was talking to had the idea of a midseason tournament during a FIFA break. But that would also be a more exciting way to do the FIFA break uh, while the national team players are gone. I like I like that as as an idea, so that you know your reg, regular season is with your regular players, and during the FIFA break you do the Challenge Cup uh, with a kind of a different set of players. I like that model, but uh, this this works pretty well too. I I look forward to maybe having semifinals because I agree. You know, we wouldn't have had the time really um, for quarterfinals, and it doesn't eliminate enough people. Um, but I'd really love to have, especially once we get to 11, possibly 12 teams next year, 
where you have four teams advancing to a semifinal. So you get that means, you know, a couple more home games for teams to build for the regular season, but also, you know, your best chance at having the most competitive final. You know, that's a good idea. On on the East Division, it could really come down to uh, an interesting tiebreaker. (laughs) Well, and and slots three and four need not be uh, limited to a division either. What what if you had those as like a you know kind of an open point differential, so you could have three teams from the the West make it and only one? No, 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 no. no. But you 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 can't do you can't do larger you can't do larger groups though. What I'm thinking is when we have twelve teams, you can do three groups of four, so it's more like World Cup play, right? So you get three Mm -hmm. first round games. and, and that's a more kind of natural group thing. So the winner of each group goes on plus I the think. best second place team, you know, cause if you do two groups of six, then you have to play everybody once. And then that's five first round games. Does that make sense? Much smarter. I would expect nothing, yeah. nothing less from the keeper. Great <laughs> idea. But fingers crossed. I mean, clearly the fans, the players, the coaches loved it last year. Um, I, I think it's been really fun to watch and much more, open this year so i hope it's something that continues and last question for you grant what are you most looking forward to about the regular season finally kicking off may 15th it'll be our first regular season game since uh what early october 2019 (laughs) yeah well personally i'm most looking forward to the houston home opener which will be against kansas city again i think it's on the 23rd it should be great weather at this time in Houston, and we'll we'll see uh, we'll see who all's playing. But you know this it'll be the second time these teams are playing, and I think they're going to play at two more times during the regular season. So yeah, you play you play everybody three times. Rivalry growing here. No, I no, I guess it, it can't be now that Louisville's in there. Yeah, so you play everybody twice, and some people three times. It makes sense. They're the closest team to Houston geographically. Yeah. yeah, I think I think James Clarkson knew that before before the schedule came out because he said after the game, you know, I look forward to playing seeing them again in the regular season and because um, <laughs> he's I, gonna course, a lot <laughs> smiling because he looked forward because he just got a victory and wants to get some more. But uh, it was it was a, it was a it was a well played game. I think uh, not not one of the most boring ones. So. Should be exciting to see that that uh, beginning of the regular season down there at BBVA. Well, I'm glad you've been able to get out on the road to Chicago and Kansas City. And of course, you'll be there again uh, for the final first round Challenge Cup game on Monday. So everybody can follow Grant on Twitter at Sport Parade uh, for his comments straight from Legends Field in Kansas City. Well, Grant, thank you so much for taking the time to share your thoughts, experiences, and and keep following the beautiful game. Everybody get vaccinated and come join me out there. All right, time to wrap it up with the back four. First and foremost, we are at the end of the Challenge Cup group stage. So we've got the final coming up Saturday, May 8th, 1 p.m. Eastern kick on CBS. Yes, that's big CBS, national TV, CBS in U.S. and Canada will be on Twitch, free and live everywhere else. We know Portland will be in the final, waiting to see who they will face. And then, of course, we have the regular season schedule out. Uh, You can go to nwslsoccer.com, check out the whole schedule. It kicks off Saturday, May 15th. Or you can go to keepernotes.com, click on Wosipedia, and find the Google Calendar that is linked there. Um, I've added, I think, all of the May and June games. I'm getting the rest of it in there. So probably by the time you hear this, they should the entire regular season should be in that calendar. Also in that calendar, I've already entered the Olympic schedule. Um, got Champions League final, Champions League semifinals this weekend, uh, College Cup, anything I can, any games I hear about, I am trying to put in there. 
And speaking of college soccer, the entire NCAA tournament is being played in the state of North Carolina at, I think, four different venues. We're into the second round. Uh, like I said, all those games, their schedule is on the Google Calendar for Keeper Notes. You can also check out NCAA.com. They've got an interactive bracket. You can follow Stats Live. You can also, most importantly, watch the games free and live as um, they put up links for each of the games a lot of them are on youtube or on college sites uh, so easy access to those games the semifinals will be on espn 2 on thursday the 13th and the final will be on espn u on sunday may 16th and last, as I've mentioned before many times, uh, if you don't have the Keeper Notes NWSL Almanac, you definitely want to get that before the regular season starts so you have all your WOSO resources ready for the kickoff of the ninth NWSL season. Um, I guess it's weird. It's like it's the eighth regular season, but we're going to say just the ninth season. Uh, the Almanac, it's like more than 350 pages, player registry, coach registry, photos, stats, records, all kinds of great stuff. You can buy print version. You can buy PDF. You can buy both. So go to keepernotes.com and check that out. All right. That's it for this episode of the Mixed Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. I want to give a big shout out to sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and also IcarusFC.com. If you want new custom, not cookie cutter jerseys for your rec team or your kids team or your weekend beer league team, go to IcarusFC.com. Also want to give a shout out to my producer, Sean Ringrose, whose own podcast you can check out at anchor.fm slash Jen Orange. And that's Jen as in Generation Orange. So it's G-E-N Orange. Many, many thanks to Sean for helping me put this podcast together. And big thanks, of course, to, to the beautiful Game Network for playing host. But now she's anybody's girl.